You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. What's up, dude? How you doing? I'm all right. How you, you know, doing? You know, that was a good series, even though we took we lost two out of three to the Cubs. There was a lot of good that came out of that series that I enjoyed. Okay. You know, I liked, um, I, I liked, first of all, that they did what we suggested, and they they went with their three big starters. Okay, they, they said we're going to give some experience in a big moment to Rodan and Lopez and Giolito. And um, I know there were some people who were like, uh, Hawk's crazy for saying that Giolito pitched a good game in game two of that series, but I thought I thought he actually pitched a pretty good game. I mean, if Lamar doesn't misplay no, the ball Lam- in left field, Lamar's that had- inning goes very differently, and that's a tight game, and anything can happen in they, that game. They win that game easily. I that, think they win that, that game. That Lamar play was just completely boneheaded. Lamar lost know. that game. You want to yeah, know though, what the exactly. big thing is that drove me nuts? And and I'm gonna first I'm going to say good things about Hawk Harrelson. This is my 30 seconds of good things about Hawk Harrelson. We're going to Hawk already? Or are we, and then, are we, no, no, no. My 30 seconds of good things about Hawk, and then I don't want to talk about Hawk. Okay, because I loved Hawk as a kid, and I love put it on the board and grab some bench, and you got to be bleeping me and stretch, and it it was fun. His his calls during some of the great moments in White Sox history were amazing. The video they showed at the center field scoreboard, um, that showed some of his greatest calls. I was at the games, so sometimes I didn't hear them. Like I was sitting right beneath Hawk during the Andy Hawkins no hitter game where the Sox won on several drop balls in the outfield. Okay. I heard Hawk screaming while the window was open because I was sitting directly below him in Old Kaminsky Park in the last row underneath the broadcast booth. I slapped high fives with Hawk Harrelson after the play was after he was done yelling during that play. Wow. I was there. It was bat day. I was like a kid. I mean, I remember. I mean, I was 13 years old, 13, 14 years old. Wait, was it the mini bats or was it? No, like it was full bat, on bats. Was it like it was a bat hat rack thing? Remember those? Full on bats. No, okay. that was a full on large, heavy signed baseball bat. That would never work now. That I sold for $50 to the guy next to me who wanted to get it for his kid. And because I because I was lucky, I knew that I already had one at home because dad was a season ticket holder and was like, we're getting a bat. So if you get another one. You have two of them. That would never fly now. Yeah, I know. I sold a bat at 13 years old. Anyway, we're getting off the subject. Right. Um, Hawk. Good, so Hawk. I liked, Good Hawk. I liked Hawk. Okay. In the later years, Hawk's become a little senile and not been very good in the booth. He gets angry. He, he, he won't talk for several innings when he's upset about something. He spouts stuff that he believes to be real baseball fact when it's not. He actually, in his last game, said uh, beautiful progressive, progressive field. field. I saw that. Well, I heard that. I mean, it was time for Hawk to go. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay. Miss Hawk. Good luck to Hawk. God bless Hawk. I hope he has wonderful, wonderful years in retirement. But here's my problem with that series. And thank God the games didn't really mean that much with the exception of pride. Why am I hearing? Why am I reading tweets that Hawk Carrollson is in the clubhouse telling Carlos Rodon, win me my last game? Oh boy. Okay. Was my that, dad, a, my that a dad thing? Call, yeah, my dad calls me up and he goes, "Man, Rodon looked terrible. That's the first time I've seen him like look like that." And I'm like, "Well, he had an enormous amount of pressure on him." He goes, "Why?" I'm like, "Cuz I'm reading Twitter and there's beat reporters saying that Hawks back there telling him 
Win me my last game. Listen, Carlos Rodon. Win me my last game, listen, Carlos. Carlos Rodon. Listen, old listen, crying hawk is standing listen. there going, win me this game. I mean, like, no wonder he was a mess on the mound. You know, it, it, listen, we've already talked about how Carlos Rodon has enough pressure on him. I mean, if he doesn't pitch while he's sleeping in the garage. Oh, he's in the garage this whole know, week. So There's now a cot you're set up. Have... He, got home. he got home and Ashley had a cot. Set up in the garage. Now you're gonna you have sleep ha- there, Carlos, and you think about what you've done. Now you're going to have Hawk Harrelson telling him, you know, Carlos, go out and win me my last game. No, it was more like, win, win, win the Hawkeroo. Win one for the Hawkeroo. <laughs> last game. I love y'all. I'm in the minority, Chris. I'm in the minority. I don't like Hawk Harrelson. I've never quite been a fan of Hawk Harrelson. There are people who just just hate I, him. I don't hate him. I, cannot, I just thought it was time for him to go. I, I I can't get into Hawk. I'm sorry. Like he is, he he like, I he has got it. Like if you pretty much talk to anybody outside of White Sox Nation, and half of the people in White Sox Nation. They will tell you that he is the worst announcer in professional sports. I mean, and and you're t- so you're talking about an ent- like I mean, I've had an some entire people- an entire nation, and then half of the fan base of the team that he calls games for will tell you he is the worst announcer in pro sports. I just and I am one of those. I I I get it. I get why I get why some people don't like him. I I some people listen, the moment the sabermetrics became a thing, Hawk Harrelson became a bad announcer. Because of his TWTW, okay, it ain't about ain't about skill, Stone Pony. Dude, it's the TWTW, the I will d- to dude, win. I don't want to hear about. I don't want to hear about TWTW. I don't want to hear about gumption. I don't want to hear about. Well, then you're happy. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to hear about. For you I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to hear about Carl Yastrzemski. I don't want to hear about the best player that he ever saw who could grab his jock and spit on a three-two count at home plate. Yeah, because that's the thing. You know, Stone Pony, the best the best player I ever did see who could grab his crotch and spit on a 3-2 count was this guy by the name of Bucky Dimkins. Well, no, but the thing now, is good is old that- Bucky Dimkins. We were hanging out with Carl <laughs> Yastrzemski one day, and they, had, they, and they had a bet, Stone Pony. Carl, yeah, I said, I bet you I could grab my crotch and spit on 3-2 count better than you can. And Bucky Dimkins said, oh, no, you can't. <laughs> That's a thing, Chris. I don't want to hear it. I'm sorry. I am a 40-year-old man, and Hawk is way out of my demographic, okay? Pretty much, like, I am too young to understand the Hawkeroo, and I'm 40 years old. I just, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, all right. The point is, I like the series. I thought it was a fun series. Lopez pitched like a beast. I thought Lopez, that was, that was really fun to watch. And I thought Giolito did did well in a game where you got to understand that the Cubs probably went into their locker room and said, hey, we're in a pennant race. This team is a bad team, and we're getting beat. And we got to go out there. I mean, they came out in game two ready to go. And if it isn't for Lamar, uh, yeah, right. you could have crushed say. them. You could have stepped right on their necks and broken their necks. Or at least you win that right. game Listen, by a run. Yeah. Ryan Lamar, I'm sorry. You're not on the 2019 Chicago White Sox. You're not on my 2019 Chicago White Sox, if only for that play. Did you see Renteria benched him the very next inning? Right. Well, here's my problem with Renteria. And now this is the next. This is the only other thing that bothered me about that series. One, I didn't like the fact that Hawk went down and put pressure on Rodon. I think that's unfair. Okay, to do that, and I think he makes himself too much a part of the game, and I don't see Vin Scully doing and going and doing that in his last game. You see oh, what I'm saying? No, no, that no, that wouldn't no, happen. No, 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 okay, no. so I have a real problem with Hawks' presence in the dugout, giving putting pressure on these guys. Okay, and so I am totally fine 
with the fact now that he's made his exit. God bless. I had some one far more good than bad, unlike you, with Hawk memories. Okay. But reading that, if that's true, that bothered me. The other thing that really bothered me is this. Omar Navarez. Yeah, where is goes he? Goes out and has just a revelation of a series, a revelation of a season behind the plate. Okay. He catches half the games for the White Sox this year. He ranks up at the top of most offensive statistical categories for the team. He's improved his framing. His pitchers pitch well for him. Rodon has been a beast with him behind the plate. Right. And you take cheating Wellington Castillo, okay, a man suspended for PEDs. 90 days, wasn't it? A man who has not been part of this team. And if you take his statistics and and run him up against Smith and Navarez, doesn't even compare to them right now offensively. And you stick him behind the plate or in the DH role for the entire series. He was in the starting nine all three days. I noticed that. Why is he out there? I noticed that. And the guy that. that's been with you all year and shown improvement, not out there. How are you building a team, Ricky, when you do that to one of your guys that has actually grown with you and gotten better? That is an issue that I think everybody I has get. missed. Everybody missed that this week. No, I didn't miss Nobody it. Nobody noticed. I, I, it wasn't talked about, I guess, by the mainstream media. Right, my okay. problem. But why is that guy not playing? I, I, I mean, Smith had a nice series, and that's fine. First of all, Castillo came up in multiple situations when we needed a hit and couldn't do it. And meanwhile, you got a guy sitting on a bench who did nothing but everything you asked of him this year after that cheater got told you're out for the next 80 games or 90 games. And and, and he goes out there and grows as a player. He's more of the future than Wellington Castillo. I could care less if I see Wellington Castillo again. And you start him all three games of that series? That was ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. Now, I have a theory as to why they did it. But first of all, I'm going to agree with you. I did notice that. I watched the whole series on and off, and I was like, wait a minute, where's Navarez? Where, where, why, are we, why are we looking at Wellington Castillo? You're right, because not only that, you've got Kevin Smith, you've got Omar Navarez, and to piggyback off that, you've got Zebby Zavala and others coming up through the minors that are well, more than likely going to be... is not part of the plan for this team. No, he's not. I think, I think, now I don't agree with it, but I think... The only reason why you have him out there is because maybe, just maybe, Renteria is thinking, well, I'm going to give him an opportunity to stick it to his former team. I, I don't buy that. Okay, okay. You want to give him the first game, that's fine. You want to give him the first game yeah. to go out there and be like, I'm playing it. But how do you sit your number one catcher for three days? Because that's what Omar Navarez is. He's your number one catcher. Right. He is, without a doubt, he's number the one number next year. one catcher on this team. And he is not, he doesn't play the entire weekend. Here, let, let, let's just go over, let's just do a statistical comparison in case anybody wants to doubt what I just said about Navarez being the number one catcher on this team. Omar Navarez for the entire season ranks fifth on this team. In OPS, that is the easiest way to take a quick snapshot of offense. It's your on-base percentage plus your slugging percentage. Fifth on this team, he had 273 with a 362 on-base percentage and 434 slugging on the season. That is compared to a Wellington Castillo who is below him by about 70 points in his OPS on the season. And that's and Kevin Smith. Now, and, and, Kevin that's, Smith and, that's, was, and Kevin Smith was about 80 points behind him on his OPS. So right then and there. If you look at the season, you can sit there and say, over the course of all these games, this is what these guys have done. And, and they're split up pretty evenly. It's about 40-some games for Castillo, 40-some games for Smith, and about 80 games for uh, for Navarro. 92. 92, okay, 92 games. games for him, okay? Now, since the All-Star break, 
827 OPS. He's, he's been better in the second half. As we've said, he's grown with the team. Smith still sitting at exactly about the same OPS in the second half of the season, and he was in the first half of the season, just above 700. And Wellington Castillo, in his 13 games back, oh, it's brutal. hitting 244 with a 277 on base percentage and a 289 slugging percentage for the second lowest of six, all players on the team post All Star break with a 565, 565 OPS. OPS. The only guy with the worst OPS is Cordell, who was up for 14 games and hit 080. I mean, come on. And you started him all three games of the series. Ricky, there are times where I wonder when Joe Girardi's showing up. These are the things that make me sit there and say, when's Joe Girardi showing up? Is, is it Joe, this year or is it next year? I hope Joe when Girardi's is he coming? showing up. Okay, when are we going to, because this is why, this is why when a big time manager like Joe Mann came along, the Cubs sat there and said, bye Rick. Oh yeah. You're supposed, you, you have to understand what your role is on this team. You are growing a team and that guy is part of your future and has proved it and earned the chance to be on the field for at least one, if not two of those games in that series. And you didn't even put him out there. It's disgusting. Used to keep it cool, used to be a fool, all about the bounce in my step. Watch it on the news, what you gonna do? I could hit refresh and forget. Used to keep it cool. Okay, so you guys want to start a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. What we need to do is start from scratch. There's lots of podcasts. Six of them now. Yeah. Yeah. Twelve podcasts that I'm doing a week. I come down here into the bar, I drink all day long, and I do podcasts. My wife is like, you have a problem. I love your new and it's job, not the, Chris. it's not the drinking, it's the podcast. There's too many of them. Should I keep it light? Stay out of the fight. No one's gonna listen to me. If I write a song, preaching what is wrong. Will they let me sing on TV? Should I keep it light? You're gonna eat lightning. You're gonna crap thunder. Is that right? You're gonna be a greasy <laughs> Italian tank. Growing up on a podcast. Socks in the basement. Socks in the, the EP podcast. 30 minutes of good in a world of dumb. We gon' burn the whole house down. That was the last time, I believe, that you will ever hear on the television broadcast the phrase, Kenny and Rick. Oh, I noticed that. Kenny and Rick. You will never hear that. The only person you're ever going to hear say Kenny and Rick now is Ed Farmer on the radio. If you don't want to hear Kenny Williams getting credit for what's going on at the rebuild, don't listen to the radio broadcast. I noticed because, that too. Because Benetti doesn't mention Kenny, he just says Rick. Stone doesn't mention Kenny, he just says Rick. There are two camps, and the old school camp gives Kenny credit, and the new school camp does not. Does not. I know that's that why too. Farmer and Harrison will say Kenny, and they're the only two that will say it, and now one of them is gone. That is something that you will not hear anymore. On the, I, don't think you, I think you'll barely hear it. You might hear Steve Stone throw him a bone every once in a while, but it will be a rare occurrence when you hear it's just, it'll be mostly Rick Hines doing this, Rick Hines doing this, Rick Hines, Rick Hines. He said it a couple times during, during the last game. I noticed it too, like where he was saying, Kenny and Kenny and Rick, Kenny and Rick, Kenny and Rick, all they, Kenny, Kenny and Rick have done such a great job. All right. Sure. Yeah. But that's it. I mean, that's, that's it. You're not going to hear that anymore. So that's that's what I take out of the series. I like what they did at the beginning. I don't like what they did at the end of it. I'm aggravated about what they did with Navarez. Uh, Hawk 
God bless. Good luck to you. And I don't need to hear anything about Kenny and Rick anymore. It's just going to be Rick. Okay. On television broadcast. So in the end, nice little neat little package here as we go into the last couple games of the MLB season. Right. And then we have to decide what we're going to do in terms of next year. Okay. So coming up here in a second, I'm going to tell everybody how we're going to do that because we are going to be broadcasting throughout the entire, um, the entirety of the offseason, of course. Okay. Socks in the Basement is not going away in the offseason. In fact, I think it's going to get to be a lot more fun. But I want you, the listener, to have an opportunity to give us your thoughts on the lineup like we're going to be talking about it throughout the entire uh, season. And also, I want you to know right now that throughout the offseason, whenever news breaks, if there is a trade, if there is a major release, the moment I can get to the mic, I will be doing quick instant reaction on top of the normal weekly show. Right, and okay? you'll probably hear because from... Because guess what? The Chicago media is going to forget about you. They already actually have. Okay, the mainstream media has already forgotten about the Chicago White Sox. When such a thing happens, you're probably going to... Like, I won't be down here because this is going to be instant, but you can, you'll can you hear me on the phone talking about it, too. Yeah, we'll so. get you on the phone. We'll get you on. Well, That's the best. When something initially happens, you get very aggravated. So I just... I'm, I'm, well, not always. Okay. You get, you if get it's fired good, up. If it's good. You get fired up. You get really angry. It's it's the best. Your overreactions are my favorite. This is It's going to be one of the best parts I of the show. I overreact? <laughs> Me. I don't know. I just fired Rick or Ricky Renteria. <laughs> I just basically said, where's Joe Girardi? Because of who he started to catch her in a meaningless series. Oh, That's- we want Joe Girardi <laughs> for more reasons than that, dude. Trust me. We, you know, we've been over the Davidson, Yolmer, Sanchez thing. Oh, you know We've what? been got, over that. We've I been over that. We, out. I got called out and it's true. I called the whole Davidson. Davidson won that thing. Now, Pelka now finally all of a sudden is his OBP is over 300 for the second half of the season overall. And in the second half, he's got the better stats than Davidson. They're ranked right next to each other, but he just passed them. Who called he's been you on out? fire. Somebody called me out on, uh, on Twitter about it. They're like, Hey, Hey, you called that race too early. And I'm like, you're right. I called that race too early. Well, okay. It- I, I called that race too early. Uh, that's I, I get it. I, I was, I mean, I think both of them are on the team. I don't think Nikki Delmonico's around next year, but we'll get into that. Sure. All right, remember 708-459-8406, 708-459-8406. That's the number you call. It's a regular local Southside telephone call. You call, you'll hear a little computer voice tell you leave a message. You leave a message right here for this show. You tell us all about what you think the White Sox should be doing in the 2019 season or anything else that you want to discuss. But what are we doing in the offseason? What is your plan? Who are we getting rid of? Who are we keeping? What's your lineup? I want to hear it. We'll put it on the podcast. 708-459-8406. 708-459-8406. Call it 24-7. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. So, uh, James Fox in Loop Sports. I really enjoy reading Loop Sports because they, they have... A, Unlike a lot of other, you know, sports websites, they have a really nice breakdown of anything, of everything and anything going on, not just with the White Sox, but with Chicago sports in general. Okay. Um, You know, I don't like a lot of the other ones because you can tell like, it's just kind of like either total national Enquirer speculation, or it's just the team sort of feeding you things through the media. You can always tell that. I think think that that. a smart fan could tell when the team is feeding you something. So I, you know, I I enjoy reading loop sports. So there was an article that dealt with the same issue that we had talked about a couple of weeks ago in that. What are you doing for pitching in 2019? Now that you have uh, the Kopech injury 
And there was right, talk when you were that telling me was, everything's going to be fine. And I was like, no, 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 we don't have enough pitchers. Well, okay. So first of all, Fox pretty much agrees with my opinion that, you know, you're not going to see, you're not going to see the Sox spend a huge amount of money uh, in 2019 on a starting pitcher because they have a lot of, even though they have a lot of money to spend, it's going to take a lot of money uh, to fill in other gaps that this team is going to need if you eventually want to win in 2020. And 2019 is basically too early to commit a truckload of money to a starting pitcher. Um, he mentions this, the, the starting pitchers that we mentioned last time in uh, Dallas Keuchel, Clayton Kershaw, but he says that we're really, you know, don't look at them to spend $100 million plus on a contract for these guys. Now, he does mention a couple of starting pitchers in the minors that are in AAA right now. First of all, he's of the opinion that Dylan Cease is going to be up here in 2019 at some point. Yeah, well, I believe okay. that as well. I think he has the same thing as the Kopech treatment, and he comes up later on. He's, he's not going all-star break. He's not going to start the season, no. but he will be up here sometime during the 29th season. Okay, so that's there. A uh, couple of names I want to throw at you, Chris, that he brought up that are all pitchers in AAA right now. Now, it should be noted that all three of these guys uh, need to be protected on the 40-man roster this offseason or be exposed to December's Rule 5 draft. You got Spencer Adams, Jordan Stevens, and Jordan Guerrero, okay? All three guys that he speculates will probably be up here on the 40-man at some point. Uh, I wanted to get your opinion to see what you, you, know, what you were thinking. Like what about. I would do with the pitching staff? Yeah, pretty I much. I have one guy that I'm targeting in free agency, actually, as a pitcher. Okay. Okay. Uh, and this really comes from being a fantasy baseball nerd and, you know, having the learn. I mean, like, I know I, I pay attention to all the pitchers out there and I'm constantly trying to find, like, an advantage. And there's a pitcher right now that is going to be an unrestricted free agent. Let me give you the stats that, like, just the basic baseball fan will look at and say, okay, well, what's the big deal? He started 20 games this year. Okay. Pitched 109 innings total so far. He had 20 walks and 97 strikeouts. Nothing that's uh, very exciting. He went 7-8 and eight with a 3.88 earned run average. He was only paid $2 million last year and is an unrestricted free agent. And he's 28 years old. Okay, so all pretty pedestrian stats, but you like but the fact... Only that, but, like, but he's only $2 million. He's only like, $2 million. And you like the fact he's 28. This is what I like about him. His whip... Was a one point one three. He the year before a, that as a as starter? a starter. All right, and the year before that he was at one point three zero. The year before that he was at one point four five. So you're seeing him finally figure out over the course of the last few years how to bring the amount of guys he puts on base down drastically. The trend shows he's consistently over the last couple of years gone from a pitcher that was. 10 and well, like, uh, he was he was 14 and 3 when he had the 1.45 whip 14 and 3 okay so it, somehow with a bad whip he had a great year he was well, like it could, be, it could be he played on a great team or it could be like when he, he played had the on the 2015 whip. Yankees well, okay so, so that, not, not a great not team. a great team no and then he goes 9 and 8 with a 4.77 earned run average but the whip goes down same team same team okay and then he goes to a new team ERA goes down whip goes down 2 million dollars Last year. Now that team might try to go out and get him, 
But if you're able to go get him, Nathan Eovaldi. Pitcher, pitcher for the Boston Red Sox was $2 million last year. He's only 28 years old and is trending in the right direction. You, I'm not saying this guy is part of your staff forever, but if I could get him cheaper than James Shields, then buying out Shields, I'd rather have this guy. So, and if I could have both of them on the team, see it this way. If I picked up Shields' option and I was able to pick up a guy like this, if I was able to make a shrewd move in the offseason when everybody else is going after the bigger name pitchers and I go sign this guy right away, okay, okay, for like a, just a couple-year contract, two, three-year contract, and get him signed in there, you're at least going to have a guy that's going to go out and pitch for you that's at a good age, that is trending in the right direction, doesn't put a lot of guys on base, that you're not spending a ton of money on if and when the guys that are down there finally come up and take their spot. Because you pick up Shields' option. Now, how much, real quick, sorry to interrupt you, how much is Shields' option? James Shields' option is $16 million. Whoa. So do you think you'd rather have James Shields at $16 million, or do you think that you can get this guy who's better statistically and is younger, and you it's can get, cheaper. and he only made $2 million last year. Right. So you yeah, can I don't get think he's going to cost $16 million. No. See what I'm saying? No, no. And, well, and it's interesting because- There's nothing wrong with having some depth that didn't come from your organization. That, I mean, that's the one guy. I've searched through all the pitchers. This is the guy that I would sit there and say, I would go and grab him. And I get him early before anybody else is saying, man, we're running out of pitchers. Who else is good out there? Because he's not going to be one of the first guys going off the table. It's interesting you brought him up because he is actually one of the guys that is mentioned in this article as possible options for I you know that. your four. I love that I starter. I love that I nailed this and, and I didn't even read this article. And what's funny, you walked in and you were like, I got this article I want to talk about. I, I'm, right. I'm on the same wavelength with this. Whoever this is that wrote this. James Fox from Loop. We're gonna Sports. have to have James Fox on. So, Me so and James, you know the, the same. you know the interesting thing about this. Like so, he goes on to talk about. So he talks about guys like J. A. Happ, Gio Gonzalez, Matt Harvey, Trevor Cahill, um, and then Nathan Evaldi, who you talked about. He also mentions that it is possible to get somebody in a trade, but the one option that he does not mention, Chris, for uh, the starting pitching rotation next year, picking up James Shields' option. No, I wouldn't pick him up. And you know what? I wouldn't mind going after Cahill and Eovaldi. Cahill this year, 20 games uh, started, right? Right. He's got a 3.91 earned run average, only 6-4. and four. It's pedestrian, but he's got a whip that's a 1.217. And he was one and a half million dollars last year. There's that low end pitching talent that's shown the ability to not put a lot of runners on base that you can use until your guys come up and you don't need to spend 16 million. And you if can the way that your... things work in the White Sox is the way that I've been led to believe, which is Jerry Reinsdorf sets a budget. Like my 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 dad went and, and it's kind of funny. I'd love to have him in here one of these weeks to talk about it. He knows one of the guys is a part owner because my father was like in charge of all the traffic for the city of Chicago for years. He was, they, his nickname was the Duke of the Loop. He was, he was a, uh, a commander. Uh, he was the commander of traffic and special events for the city of Chicago before he retired years and years ago. And so he knows some of the people from the Sacks because he was in charge of all the big events that were going on around the Sacks years ago. When they won the 05 World Series, he's the guy who planned the parade route that went through the whole city. That was his idea, okay? So, so he knows these people. He's had conversations with them. Sounds to me like Jerry wants to make a profit. He wants to show his investors I made money. So he sets how much money that you have for the year. And my impression is that if Rick Hahn doesn't spend all of the, let's say, $100 million he's given, like, Rick, you get $100 million this year, and he spends 30 the other $70 million goes into a fund. 
where he can use it later. Okay. See what I'm saying? Interesting. That's been the impression that I've gotten just from reading between the lines, reading a few articles and stuff like that. Why give 16 million to Shields when you can get these other two guys in Cahill and Eovaldi possibly, at least one, possibly two, and they're not going to cost you a lot of money and it's not going to hurt if later on their job gets taken because you're not going to pay them that much. Sure, you can give them a bump. Pay them each $5 million a year. You spend $10 million on two pitchers that has $16 million on one that's older and trending in the wrong direction instead of a guy, that, instead of two guys that you have around in case something goes wrong, and you in could, case somebody else hurts their arm, in case somebody else has a problem. Build your depth this year. Go get these guys that are floating out there in free agency and grab them early. And you can get them on one, two-year contracts, too. Yes. Like, you're not going to have to pay them. Worst case, three. But even three years right. isn't bad. Three years isn't bad either. Not at the ages that they are at. No. No, 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 no. Kale, no. Kale's 30, so he's 33. Evaldi's 28. He's 31 when it's over. Right. And, yeah. I, and, and, and they have the ability to go out and pitch, and if they don't do well, you haven't lost a ton of money on it. You're going to spend less money on a three-year contract for Trevor Cahill or a three-year contract for Nathan Eovaldi than one year of James Shields, and you get more value out of it. So I'm I'm with that opinion when it comes to what you're no, going to do with the pitching gonna, staff. We're there gonna, are, we're gonna see there what are guys to go and get. I would like to see them go do that. What else does this article say? No, that's it. That's it? It was just about pitching? Yeah, it was just about pitching. Wow, and me and this guy were like on the same wavelength. Pretty much. We were like together. Get him down here. We were just thinking on the... On the we, were just, we were just mind melded is what you're telling me? It was a mind meld? Something like that. <laughs> Another show is wrapped up. Another show's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. And then by the looks, it's going to be a good one. And we'll see you next week. And the dude is baseman. And the dude is baseman. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up. And it's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up. And by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. Nude is basement. Oh, broadcast basement. The nudist basement. The broad basement. Slancha. That was like Dropkick Murphys or something, right? I felt like it. Remember that number, 708-459-8406. 708-459-8406. Call it, hear the weird uh, computer message, and then leave us your lineup. Tell us something you'd like to see the Sox do in the offseason and tell us why. We would love to hear it so we could talk about it. That's what Sox in the basement is. Bunch of guys sitting in a bar, my nine-foot homemade oak bar in my basement on the south side of Chicago, talking White Sox for 30 minutes of Sox. Sox in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SoxInTheBasement.com.